Well, I'm left with this is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Faisal Hawk. Hot Faisal, are you ready to do this? Yes, I'm ready to do this. Thanks for having me. Oh, good morning excited. to you. Yeah, good morning to you as well. Faisal is the founder of Shadoka. He's the founding the founding chair of Next Chapter. He's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author. He's been voted a top 100 most influential person in technology. His newest book is Lift. Fostering the Leader in You Amid Revolutionary Global Change. Faisal, tell us a little about your personal life, some more about your work, why you do what you do. Oh, gosh, that will take hours. But uh, <laughs> in, a, in, in a nutshell, uh, I'm a tech entrepreneur. I've been in the industry almost 30 years now. Uh, you know, in our, I started my career in Fortune 500, worked for GE, and then started a series of tech companies, some winning success, some disaster, raised money from venture capitalists, uh, got fired from uh, one of them, started all over again. And uh, 20 years ago, I started writing. Uh, when I started writing, uh, I was writing about uh, organizational change and technology and organizational structure. Uh, and the writing is a passion. So it's not that's not my mainstay of business. I'm, I'm a technology product developer. And, um, uh, you know, and as I've, I've, I've written over the years, you know, as I've grown older, uh, my thought process has shifted, it evolved. Uh, so I now kind of uh, live in this intersection of humanity and, and business and process and technology. So a lot of focus on mindfulness, uh, uh, transformation, leadership, etc. So that's it in a nutshell of what I am. I love it. Exercising both parts of your brain or, yes. or, or, or all parts of your brain. Trying to. Yeah, I appreciate that. So, so humanities, technology, mindfulness, uh, profit, innovation, moving forward. Uh, is that a natural thing for you? Is that something you work at? Uh, I would say that it it evolved and it has become natural to me. I wouldn't say that was the most natural thing for me because you know when when you're in your early twenties and you have an idea of what your life should be and what you want to be, uh, you know either uh, it takes you a long time to find who you are, or you get super driven and super focused and start ignoring everything else. So I was one of those people, super driven super focused and, you know, and building uh, companies and et cetera, right? So, but as time went by, you know, and I, 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 I'm originally from Bangladesh, I have a pretty deep understanding of Eastern philosophy, had a chance to travel through Japan and other other places. And, and this idea of connecting with yourself and mindfulness and empathetic leadership and how empathy allows you to connect with yourself and that allows you to connect with other folks. And the context of, you know, what we have seen in the last five years uh, from pandemic, you know, climate change, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, it, it, it kind of, uh, you know, I saw, a, I mean, I, my previous book before Lyft was, I wrote about six years ago. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a new idea what I should write about. So, but all that, you know, changes kind of helped me to connect the dot between the current status of the globe as a whole and what's going on with technology and how do we prepare ourselves individually and organizationally to 
go to the next level. That's what lift is about. It's that the idea is that if you want to lift others, first you have to lift yourself. You know, that that's kind of the underlining theme of lift. I think that that is it's such a powerful, important and a timely message. I, I, it, it strikes me that that I can be overwhelmed or approach overwhelm by looking at all of the problems that that humanity is facing. It's like, well, I can't do anything about these things, but I, I am an empathetic person, so I want to be able to help. So what do I do? And I think sometimes it just causes us to do nothing. That's very true. And, you know, and, and a lot of us uh, have this idea is that uh, impact or making a difference, uh, you know, the definition of this is that you have to change the world, you know, mm. and, and the way I have kind of uh, look at it now is that you don't, you know, change yourself and change your immediate community. Uh, by community, I mean the people you interact with, uh, you know, and people you work with, whatever the case may be. And that is that is an impact because collectively, if we did that, then I, I honestly believe the world would be a better place. Uh, and, and, you know, by the way, I mean, when I was uh, thinking of writing Lyft, I was very purposeful to find optimism uh, because, you know, I sort of wrote it for my uh, son's generation, who is now 20. And I wanted to give them an optimistic uh, view that there is lots of opportunity and, and they're our future generation. Uh, so we looked at lots of different industries, you know, education, healthcare, um, you know, uh, uh, the technology and 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 public sector. I've, I've been doing a lot of work in public sector, uh, you know, with our federal government. Uh, so um, now I can say I do have a bit, bit of experience in public sector. So there's opportunity everywhere, right? So the question is, how do you how do you look at yourself? find your strength and your calling and apply to this opportunity, you know, and, and if you do, then uh, you may have a ability to uh, have a meaning and an impact. And it doesn't have to be all about financials um, in the sense that definition of impact and value is different for different people. You know, as I said, I was, I was in my twenties, you know, I, I wanted to build big companies and work with big customers and, and, that's not the goal anymore. You know, it's like everything I do, I want to make a difference, whatever small it is. You know, it's not a, it's not a, um, uh, in a comparison or a yard scale to, to say, okay, am I doing better than somebody else? Or am I making better impact than other, whatever I am making, uh, an impact that is an impact and that's a positive impact. That's all really well said. It's a, it's hard to grapple with that, right? Because yeah. it's like, what what is enough? Am am I doing enough? Is just working on me and taking care of my family and 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 then maybe my community. Why why wouldn't that be big enough? And I we just need to ask ourselves these questions and 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 and, and grapple with it. Uh, for for sure, you know, and and uh, you know, I think uh, we all suffer from. Uh, you know, I mean, I, there, there are two, two, three, four different kind of people personality, right? There are people who really don't care; they just, just, just living as it is, and you know, whatever. And then there are people who are constantly 
putting themselves down because they're not doing enough. You know, mm-hmm. am I doing enough for my children? Am I doing enough for my spouse? Am I doing for enough for my friends and family? Whatever I'm doing is meaningless, et cetera, et cetera. But there is a middle ground, you know, and, and the middle ground is that find whatever gives you joy and then try to take that joy and and uh, try to apply that to other people's benefit, right? So, so, and that's in my mind, you know, that that's enough. You know, I mean, I mean, that's really enough. I mean, we're all not gonna be uh, Martin Luther King and and Mahatma Gandhi and and etc. Uh, etc. Et like, for example, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Chef Andre, uh, Jose Andres and who's doing remarkable work feeding, uh, you know, people who are in crisis all over the world, right? And and uh, so my way, I mean, and I love food, I love culture. My way of contributing is that I, I, I make charity donation to his organization, right? And I, I, I'm a fan, I cheer him on by social media. And that, that's that's okay, you know, I remember, you know, and, and I don't want, I don't need to be another host around this. And it's my calling is my calling. Whatever I can do, I can do. And and that's enough. At least that's how I feel. You know, I mean, I was asked a couple of days ago, where would you be if you had a choice? And I said, I'm exactly where I want to be. And that's unfortunate that I can, I can say that, you know, because that, that means that you found a containment regardless of adversity. And by the way, we all have adversities, right? I mean, career adversity, family adversity, uh, health adversity, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, none of our lives are perfect. But, um, you know, you, you, we have to try to live with that and, and, and kind of look at it, a, you know, optimistic way, but in a pragmatic sense, right? I mean, there's, there is, there is uh, pragmatic optimism and there is baseless optimism, right? So we, we can't be, uh, just say a world would be a better place if none of us do anything. That's the way it is, but it's not. I mean, everything record, requires efforts and devotion and ritual and 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 uh, you know discipline. Nothing happens without that. But I think there is a lot of uh, cases uh, for optimism. I appreciate that. Um, a lot of good stuff. So somebody asked you, where would you be if you had a choice? You could be anywhere. And like right here, you know, what yeah. my, 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 my life is as I want it. Yeah. Is, is that a good question for everyone to ask themselves? And if the answer is totally different than what I have, that's, that's okay. And then it's a function of, we need to now go to work and figure out how I can get closer to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I I don't think I could have said I, I would have had the exact same answer if somebody asked me uh, ten years ago or five years ago or fifteen years ago. And by the way, that was not a reflection of success. You know, I had plenty of success. It was not because I was just struggling with my career and I wasn't doing things that are uh, meaningful. It was just not fulfilling enough for me, right? So. So, uh, um, so it's really about fulfillment. It's not just about uh, you know success or failure. And and so, if your answer is uh, you know no, I really this is not where I want to be. That means that something is missing. You know, it could be that you don't have you're not doing what you want to do. It could be that you're not in the right uh, relationship that you want to be. It could be that you don't have the right set of friends. Is you know it's maybe you don't have the right set of 
coworker that that inspires you. Uh, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, uh, so you do have to figure that out and and go to work, and that's where you know the the finding yourself, you know, that authentic self, which really comes from mindfulness and having the empathy to realize what's going on around you and be able to take your unique value. Each one of us have unique value and apply that unique value to the world around you. Uh, that's where, you know, that, that definition of transformational leadership, the way we described it is the fact that it's, it comes from empathy. It comes from influence. It comes from inspiration. And so you have to find all that within yourself first, and then you, you can relate to the world and definition of the world again is whatever you define as, you know, I mean, it could be that your little company, it could be your multi-billion dollar corporation. It could be your, you know, the, the state department or DOD, you know I mean? Whatever the case may be, or it could be that uh, the soup kitchen that you support, right? So it really doesn't matter. That's your call. Yeah. So you used a couple of words that, I don't know that are commonly associated with empathy, ritual, and discipline. Tell me more yeah. about that. Look, I think everything requires uh, ritual and discipline. So, I mean, we associate with ritualistic behavior and discipline when we talk about, you know, we think about an athlete, right? They're, they're constantly practicing themselves to make themselves better. We think about uh, musicians or we think about author. Uh, the creative people, the painter, you know, they have ritualistic pattern and behavior. Business business leaders have the same thing. Technology designers, product developer has the same thing. But I think that, you know, what we what is less talked about is that it actually takes an enormous amount of effort and practice and ritual rituals to practice empathy and, and practice mindfulness, right? I mean, we think that mindfulness is that we sit in a, uh, you know, a quiet place and meditate, but it's beyond that. Like, so for example, uh, it, it takes it like a conscious effort to have a conversation with somebody else and totally be in tune with that particular conversation and with that uh, person's uh, energy and siphon out what they're trying to say and communicate and, and then respond to that. Right. I mean, so, that takes efforts, and you know, and if you practice it, you'll see that you'll get exhausted faster than going for a jog, you know. And and because it does take enormous amount of effort, you get better at it. You know, you you train yourself, you get better at it, but it takes effort. And if you don't do that, uh, then you know it impacts everything. It impacts to find out who you are. It impacts how you're in, you know, your relationships, personal and professional, uh, and then it also impacts how you find your path whatever the path is, you know I mean? And there's no destination, by the way. I mean, it's just a journey, right? I mean, we go through, we change, we evolve, and, and our calling changes. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's how life supposed to be. Yeah. It's it, it's a fascinating uh, human thing that the my generation will look at, at the generation coming up, and then that generation will look at the generation coming up and make certain judgments about them. You 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 mentioned you have a 20-year-old and you want them, you 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 want to paint an optimistic picture. I think that a 20-year-old today has so many more challenges than I had when I was 20. I'm, I'm in my 40s. Um, and I agree that my undivided attention is one of the greatest gifts that I can give to somebody. And it is challenging. 
And so now it's even harder when we have yeah. so many more distractions for a young person, but even more important. For, for sure. I mean, I mean, you know, the increasingly we, we uh, you know, live in a distracted world, right? I mean, and, and our, our mind uh, uh, is, is, uh, is easily shaped by a lot of things that we really have no control over, right? Uh, look at all the social media stuff. The not bombard, you know, the bombarded with hundred different apps and and streaming, you know, shows and crazy news. Uh, you know, it's all distraction, right? So it's it's increasingly more and more difficult to make that human connection and to be able to in tune with with uh, you know whoever is around you. I mean, you've seen this. I mean, it's like you know. And not in a, just a personal life. I mean, uh, you know, in 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 uh, uh, professional settings, you go to meetings and every you know they, they're listening, but that half of the time they're not listening because they're so much busy with their uh, smartphone or pad or computer, or whatever the case may be, right? And you see this in a family dinner setting, uh, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. And then they just all open up their phone and start looking at each other. I mean, there's like thousands of memes, on the <laughs> you know, making fun of this kind of behavior. But so it is difficult. It is difficult. So those all take uh, practice. And, you know, and 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 so, so you know, in, in Lyft, we talked about uh, fourth industrial revolution uh, in terms of technology. And there is this ton of positivity from technology because Technology has converged, so uh, you're you're seeing a medical uh, science working with robotics, uh, and the robotics working with artificial intelligence. Uh, you know, there's nanotechnology, and it's all helping all various ways, from security to healthcare. You know, the the information technology where we communicate and work, collaborate, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But but there there are also are uh you know so you talk about a discipline it is, does take discipline to siphon what's really useful and what's not and how do i guide, how do we guide ourselves to do that right and so so from discipline you know it, it requires a, a execution pattern which i call the systemic it's not my word but you know it's a system thinking and systemic execution that gives you the enablement how you execute your life but also you know if you're a business leader and you're trying to grow a business or build something or whatever and then all of this by the way comes from experiential learning you know everything i just i uh, we just talked about that you're you're relating to or you know uh, if you talk about your life you'll you'll see this as well that a lot of this is it's not learned from books or attending schools it's experiential learning you know it's what we learn from our own journey, but also from seeing other people's journey and 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 the social uh, and geopolitical changes and 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 uh, the the uh, the social interaction that happens around us, right? So so these three things, you know, meaning that that transformational leadership, behavioral patterns, uh, the the uh, you know the systemic execution and and uh, experiential learning is kind of my thoughts around how do you tackle these um, you know mega changes which are some positive which are some detrimental 
Love it. Well, Faisal, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage and where can they get a copy of Lyft, Fostering the Leader in You Amid Revolutionary Global Change? Uh, the books are everywhere. I mean, you can get it on Amazon, Bars and Lomal. If you're traveling, pick it up from airports, uh, wherever you can find books. There, It's available. There's also, um, you know, the audio books and there's some digital courses. By the way, I pledged all the proceeds from Lyft and my other books uh, to Cancer Research and, and Jose Andres' uh uh, you know, uh, World Kitchen uh, uh, food charity. So, so if you are buying it, it will enhance your knowledge, but it also will help those charities. Um, so that's one. And the second is, if you want to learn about me, uh, you know, all you have to do is just go to my website. You can Google me, and you'll find me on on various social media, especially on LinkedIn and and on Twitter. But you know, personal site is the best place, which is. Faisalhog.com, which is F-A-I-S-A-L-H-O-Q-U-E.com. So that's that's where my blogs are and the books and other stuff are. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Faisal your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of Lyft, Fostering the Leader in You Amid Revolutionary Global Change, wherever you buy your books. And that's an awesome thing that you're donating all the all, all the proceeds to those awesome worthwhile causes. And then go to FaisalHawk.com, F-A-I-S-A-L-H-O-Q-U-E, and find him on social media and check out everything that he's working on and thinking about. Thanks again, Faisal. Thank you so much, George. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.